Welcome back to the Kenny Chester Podcast. Back in studio today after a longer absent than I would really like to have happen. But today we have an exciting episode for you. After months and months of teasing, we are finally going to talk about the Donald. The good, the bad, and the ugly. You may say there's no good. You may say there's no bad. You have to admit there's a little ugly, (laughs) whether you enjoy it or not. Um, I think it's going to be an exciting episode. Uh, buckle up, let's get to work. I don't know, it seems to me that he shouldn't be saying that. Well, what is it that you want him to say? Shut him down. Thank you for joining me today. I am excited to be back in the studio. The last episode we shot was actually on location in Florida with some of my dear friends. And I would have had another episode out by now. Um, We had some flooding in our area, and my children's school was uh, unable to open for several days. So I've had them at the house at the last part of last week and at the beginning of this week. Um, And then I was literally in the field this week um, doing some work the last couple days. And so we're back in it now, and I'm excited to get on this topic. If you are a new listener, maybe you searched the Donald or Donald Trump and you just wanted some commentary on it, thank you for joining me. I would um, hope that you would stick around. Maybe go back and listen to a few episodes. You can get my... um, ideas about other things. Today, I am going to be talking about my idea. I'm not saying that it's the right one. I'm just saying this is how I explain the phenomenon of Donald Trump's rise and fall um, on the national stage. And there's obviously uh, an almost infinite amount of stories written, um, documentaries made, movies made, books written, um, blogs, I, you know, obviously infinite is hyperbolic a little bit. Um, but I'm sure that you could fill your day reading on this subject. And so I'm just trying to, uh, formulate my opinion. I'm going to throw this out here. Um, it's not, I'm not just throwing spaghetti against the wall, seeing what sticks. This is really what I believe. I've talked about it with a few of my friends and this is how I, ex- I explain what I thought was a, a real phenomenon and um, how it happened and how the climate that set up um, his ascension to the highest government office in these United States of America. And so I want to explain my premise uh, for, and this this is the context that I, that I judge him in, and once I explain it, it will inform all the other things I'm going to say, good and bad, about Donald Trump. Obviously, I'm not a presidential biographer. Uh, for that, I would have you turn to someone like a Ron Chernow or a David McCullough. Those guys are amazing. John Meacham um, with, with some of his works on Jefferson and others. Great presidential biographers. I'm not getting in that today. My goal today is just to, and maybe you feel like I do, and, and I'm sure that a lot of you don't feel at all like I do, and so maybe it will inform you on like how someone like me can think about Donald Trump the way I think about him. And then maybe, maybe you agree with me, but you haven't been able to articulate it. And it's not because I'm, I'm somehow better at articulating. It's just that maybe I've thought about it, uh, (laughs) driving around. I thought about it a little bit more. Uh, I, 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 I keep thoughts in my head for a long time before I bring them to this podcast. Um, and so, uh, without any further ado, let me explain, um, 
the context I'm going to be working on in here. This is this is not how I feel should be the the context or the uh, description of American politics, but this is how I think they are. I, I think there is a better system. I think we have a great system as far as like our three branches of of government. I think that's, that's extremely. Um, wise you know our founding fathers were very wise in how they set up the government when i when i what i'm about to say is something that also our founding fathers warned against and that is party factions and how it would rip the country apart especially now getting into the place where we have two predominant parties you know you can say that well we have this party and this party and this party you know next party but none of them are serious contenders for the the presidency. And so we are left with a binary choice of Republican and Democrat in in all for all intents and purposes. Now, I have some libertarian friends that would you know argue and and they they argue very well that it would just take enough of us to vote for a third party um to to change the game. And I understand that argument. Um but I don't I'm not sure, maybe in my lifetime but definitely not in my my adult life thus far has there been one third party candidate that could have won the presidency. And when you say when I say could have, I, you know, obviously, yeah, if they had <laughs> seventy million votes or you know whatever the threshold was in that election in you know two thousand four or two thousand whatever you know you're going to say, yes, could have. But in reality, that election in those times that wasn't going to happen, and it didn't happen. And there was nobody else that was a serious contender. So that being said, we are in a place where we have a binary choice. It's either going to be a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, and the next election is going to be that way as well, I think. I don't think that that Trump specifically or anyone else can have a successful third-party run. And the reason is is because it's only all, all, the, the third party will never be um, something new. It will be something similar to one of the major parties. And all that will do is serve as like a Ross Perot. Uh, to take votes from a conservative candidate or, you know, someone who's more conservative than Clinton at the time was uh, George Bush, the first, the father, and he splits the conservative vote and Bill Clinton gets elected. And so if Trump were to do something like that, which I think would be ultimately a horrible decision, he's he's not going to win. And the Republican is definitely not going to win if if Trump is not the Republican nominee, uh, and all it does is set up the other side for a landslide victory because you're just siphoning off voters. And so that being the context, what I feel like we have at this point in American politics is champion warfare. Now, champion warfare is an ancient idea, and you've probably read about it in, in your history books or seen it depicted on, uh, you know, film, in films or or, or if you're you like to read uh, historical fictions, I'm not a big fan. I like uh, nonfiction, but if you've probably seen this this play out, it's basically when two battle or two armies lined up uh, or two countries that have an odd against each other. Instead of mass carnage, instead of a lot of bloodshed, they say, "Well, you send out a champion, and he will be the representative of your army or your of your army, and then we'll send out our champion, and he'll represent our army." Um, now he is obviously not the whole country, but he speaks for this, this view. He's representing that part of the battle, that part of, you know, the warring factions, whatever it is, we're, you know, we, this guy represents this side and this. And so in the American political scene right now, I feel like we are, we kind of have like champion warfare that we put our guy out there 
And there's a primary, obviously, you know, there's a primary uh, season where we figure out who's who's the best of our our side, quote unquote, our side, and then we put them out there. And so what is champion warfare? Well, it represents the one person, the one warrior, the one champion represents all ideas, all purposes, all plans of the group that he's representing. And so it's, and it's a winner take all scenario. You you don't, you don't get to, you know, if your champion is slain, you don't get to send up number two, you know, to fight. It's, it's a winner for that battle. It's a winner take all. And so what happens is you've got to put not the best representative of the entire country out there. This is one thing that, you know, and I've probably done this in the past as well. It's like, man, we, we're not sending our best. <laughs> you know, you've probably heard of, uh, you know, said or seen a meme that sim- says something similar that basically states, you know, these are the two best that we can put out there that represents American ideals. And the answer is absolutely, you know, it's emphatically, no, these aren't the two best. You know who they are the two best of, though? They're the two best fighters. And so what you have to come to grips with when it comes to champion warfare is that good men that can't fight will not win. And this is a tough pill to swallow, and it takes some people longer than others to figure this out. Now, I'm not endorsing this. I'm not saying this is the way it should be or this is the way it has to be. I'm saying in our political climate, this is the way it is. And so, no, we're not sending out the person who most ideally represents everything that we hold true. We're sending out the person who can win the fight. And that's, that's really what it amounts to in champion warfare. And so think of, you know, think of Paris of Troy versus, uh, what was his name? Menelaus, you know, the king of Sparta. And so they had a beef. But it started this huge, you know, they called them the Trojan Wars. You read about it in Homer's uh, Odysseus um, and, uh, or the Odyssey or the Iliad. You, 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 you read about these stories, and so they're like, we've got all these battles. Now, here's the, here's, the, here's the issue. If you know anything about that battle, and I think there was a movie made. I don't think they depicted it like it was in, 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 the, in the, the epic novel because I think one of the gods got involved to protect Paris. But Paris probably wasn't the most ideal candidate to represent Troy. Um, He felt like he had to go because he started the war by stealing um, Helen from Menelaus. Menelaus was a more vicious warrior. And so did did he represent Sparta the best? Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know that much Greek, you know, mythology and history. But what I'm getting at is it's the warrior that wins. It has nothing to do with the warrior's character. It's who can win in the battle that is selected. And we have chosen the battle of, of, of politics to air out these ideas. And so weaklings don't win. And this is something that I've, I've learned in my, my adult life. Once I became of voting age and I could start voting in these elections, one thing that I understood was it doesn't matter how good the man was. If he couldn't, if he couldn't win a fight, he would not be elected. And I look at men like, let's just let's say like Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney, I think, is a decent human being. Now, listen, you may, you may adamantly disagree with his politics, and, and that's, that's your, your, your right as an American. You can call him yellow belly. You can call him all the ugly things that Trump has called him, and, and, I, and I disagree with Trump on that. Now, I think that he was a thorn in Trump's side. That's proven. Um, but I don't believe every bad thing about Mitt Romney that people say about him. One thing I can say is that, and and you, you everybody has to make their own judgment. 
while Mitt Romney was running, did he run in, he ran in 2012, I think, against um, President Obama. McCain was 2008. Romney was 2012. One thing that I, 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 could, I could tell pretty quickly was that Romney seemed like a decent person. He was deeply religious. He seemed like he had a very good family. He seemed very polite. I mean, even to the point to where, you know, when you want him to kind of punch back, it's like, man, it's unfair what they're saying about him. He was very polite. And you know what happened? He was knifed <laughs> to death in, in, in on the national stage. I mean, even to the point to, I, I, you might not remember this. Maybe some of my listeners aren't, aren't old enough to remember. They literally accused him of giving someone cancer. <laughs> this is so crazy that I'm even, I have to say this out loud because I don't want to, maybe I'm wrong. But I remember what it, what it was, was he, he, he's a, you know, he's a capitalist, obviously. And he said something about, there was something to do with like a, a company that he had to shut down or downsize. And this man lost his job and lost his health insurance. And then I think that he went on to not, he didn't have his cancer detected early enough because, and all, and, and so it became a thing where like, well, Mitt, Mitt Romney, you know, caused this man to die with cancer. And it's like, Man, that is such a dirty thing to say about somebody. You know, obviously that was that he did not cause that. You know, it, it, it. I don't even think you can make a case that you know, you know, people lose their jobs in the economy. It's people are losing their jobs like crazy right now, or they did before um, the pandemic when businesses and stuff were shutting down. Now you can't get people to go back to work. That's another podcast. <laughs> you know, that's another uh, that's another episode. But the fact is that. That that's part of life is is some companies make it, some companies don't, and and so they took that and they used it as a as a as a cudgel and they beat Romney over the head with this. I remember it. I remember that you know it was like crazy stuff. Like uh, he 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 had a dog kennel on top of a a car on vacation or something, and I remember this whole thing about him like mistreating animals when President Obama, the guy he was running against, had. I think confessed in a book of his that he ate a dog one time. Now you can fact check me out there, but I think, I think it was like some culture that, you know, I don't know if he was visiting abroad or what, but he ate dog, but he didn't get beaten over the head with it. But Romney was the animal abuser um, because his, his dog rode in a kennel outside of the vehicle. And so you say, well, you know, that's just politics. Well, that's my point that we're, we're they're, they're, they're involved in champion warfare and the nice guy don't win. You know, McCain would try, you know, he tried his best to be a centrist. I remember he was floating an idea of having a, a Democratic running partner as vice president. I think it was Joe Lieberman, if, I, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. And so, you know, this old, you know, gentle or genteel, um, everything that they said about Biden this last time, you know, this senior statesman, that was McCain back then, but he was actually a centrist. He was actually, you know, they called him back then, they called him rhinos. They were Republican in name only because they all, all the times that they would, they would step across the aisle and, and, and cut a deal with, with their political enemies. And so McCain was that guy in 2008. And you, if you are unfamiliar with how brutally they savaged this man, and, and, and what's funny is like after the Trump era or during the Trump era, era that they idolized and, and lionized McCain and Romney. But it's because most people, their history begins in 2016. They don't remember what happened in 2012 and 2008 and how, how 
the Democrats and the media savaged these two men that were that were decent men, like really good men. But really good men don't win in a in a uh, a knockdown dragout fight. Usually, it's the dirtier one that wins. It's if if, if there's no holds bars, if you can commute, you know, accuse somebody of giving someone cancer uh, and not getting any pushback on it. You know, you, the nice guy's not going to come out, you know, victorious. And so here's 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 the thing about Trump. After those two elections, and I'm not saying there's never been a Republican that was a fighter. I'm not saying that at all. You know, I don't, you know, there's, I am 100% sure, you know, because of human nature, that there were Republicans in the past, not in my life, like I can't think of one in my lifetime. I think my earliest presidential memory was uh, Bush versus Dukakis. And, you know, and that's, an, I, I read a, a great biography on uh, George H.W. Bush, actually written by George W. Bush um, a few years ago. And it was really, really good. You know, I didn't realize all the stuff about George H.W. Uh, Bush. Um, it just seemed like a really decent man. That, that was my first exposure to, to politics. And of course, you could go all the way back if you want, you know, to, you know, we literally had a vice president kill a man <laughs> early on. In the, spoiler alert, I don't want to talk about that too much because I'll probably do a whole podcast on that situation one day. But here's the thing. I'm not saying that Republicans haven't ever been dirty enough to win a fight like that. I'm I'm sure there have been. I'm saying in my lifetime, it would seem like up until Trump, there were some more genteel type conservatives that were were losing these these really you know these dogfights. And so, what happens with Trump? Well, Trump comes along, and Trump punches back where McCain and Romney never would. And when I say that, I mean Trump didn't care what the media would say about him. I don't know how much the climate has shifted in the last 10 years, but I do know how careful, and it could just have been a part of his character, but how careful Mitt Romney would choose his words. And Trump comes along and he doesn't, he doesn't choose his words wisely. I mean, he'll straight up you know, savage somebody, call his political opponent's wife ugly, you know, call, you know, call somebody fat, call a woman, a disgusting pig, all the things, I mean, all the things, all the worst things that, that, that Trump would say even before he was running with, for president. And the fact is there was, there was, there was a spark that flew in people's mind. And I'm telling you, this is what happens. I'm not saying it should happen this way. I'm telling you what happened is that when there's a group of, of a voting block in the country that feels like they've had weaklings for champions in this champion warfare battles, to see some barbarian come out and say, you know what, this is really unfair. Now, you say, I don't know if that, that was going on before Trump. Watch early on the primaries, the, the, the 2016 primaries, for the, or I should say the 2016 presidential primaries for that election. It might have been in 2015, where I think it was Ted Cruz that just stopped the moderators. I can't even remember which channel was hosting the debate that night, but it's like, man, you guys are treating us like professional wrestlers. You're asking us to pick fights with one another. Can't we talk about our policies? Can't we talk about our ideas without, without you know, just you know, savaging each other like y'all want us? I mean, and so that was the, the climate. The media loved that part of Trump. I'm telling you, you 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 might not remember this. Go back and watch it, bro. They they loved it. They gave Trump more coverage, more free publicity. Publicity, man. I can't talk today. Than any um, president probably before in the modern era. 
because they loved the fact that he was just, you know, just that number one, they didn't think he was going to win. But number two, man, it was just, it was very, um, I guess, sellable, marketable. You know, people wanted to watch that. They, they, the, we love blood. We, we're, we're fans of, of blood sport from, from the, the, the beginning of, of entertainment, like sports entertainment, that stuff, man. We, we love that stuff. And so Trump comes in and then starts cracking heads and people like, yeah. And then, then there's a part of this country that was, has been shouted down, marginalized. And I'm not saying I'm, we're not def, We're not talking about racists. We're not talking about neo-Nazis. Those people should be lauded um, and, and they should be laughed out of and thrown out of political circles. I really believe that. Now, they, they should have the right to their opinion. They should be able to speak on platforms. But as far as like they, they should not find a home in any in major political party, like anybody with any type of integrity would say, you know, we're not going to do that. Now, you could say you know, Trump was that. Trump was not that. Every I'm telling you, if anybody that's honest and I, and when I say this, I, sh- I'm not, I, I shouldn't say that, man. Well, I'm not saying that people that have said this are, are dishonest. Maybe they are, maybe they are just wildly deceived. Maybe it's self-deception. Maybe it's willful blindness. I'm not sure. But Trump was no more racist than a Joe Biden. Joe, like, like, the stuff that people would say that Trump would say, that, that, that oh, well, this is evidence of his racism. Like I have, I, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody have to just send me something. You'll say, well, he said that about Mexicans, about being rapists. No, he did not. He did not say that about Mexicans. That's a lie. He, he talked about specifically criminals that were coming in illegally and committing heinous murder, like murders and heinous crimes and rape and all this stuff. He called them animals and said, they, these people are not the best the other country has to offer. He wasn't saying all immigrants. He wasn't saying all Hispanics, but it was a useful political cudgel. Now, something like that would have derailed a Mitt Romney. But the fact that Trump took what they tried to weaponize against him, I want you to remember this. Fake news, this whole thing that Trump gets labeled with saying, man, he's really discredited uh, the American media because of this fake news and all this stuff. I want you to understand this, that that was not something that Trump coined, that that was something that the Democrats said about Trump and Trump was just so much more effective with it. It's like somebody like trying to knife somebody, like an expert knivesman, and like they disarm you of your knife that you're trying to hurt them with, and they're so much better at it with you, they take it and turn it on you. That's what Trump did with fake news. They try to use it against him, but he was just better with it. And so he beat them at their own game. And so this isn't the way it should be, but this is the way it is. So you say, I, I have so many people say, well, Chester, how do you vote for a man as a Christian, as a, as a minister, how do you vote for man, a man like Donald Trump? And my answer is, is, is simply this. Morality wasn't on the ballot in 2016, and it was not on the ballot in 2020. If you say, when somebody says that, what they're really saying is, don't vote for Trump. I will still vote for the immorality in the Democratic Party. I'll still vote for the party of abortion up to nine months. Some even after birth abortions, which is basic, it's, it's emphasized. And there's, you know, I think it was the governor, which was, was it the governor of Virginia? The guy that wore blackface, Northam? Was he the one that said that? That if a botched abortion, the baby came out alive, that it would be kept comfortable until the doctor and the mother decided what to do with that baby? Talking about death, killing it, living, or just let it, letting it die without taking care of it. Now, what you're, what you're really saying when somebody says, well, how, how do you as a moral person 
vote for an immoral man, what you're really trying to say to that person is, I want you to use your morality to silence your vote while I still will endorse the immorality of, of the mainstream Democratic candidate. Because Hillary Clinton was not a moral person. Like, I think that they might be the most politically corrupt family in, the, in my lifetime. Now, there might have been some, you know, <laughs> I read a great book on the Kennedys. Uh, it's called The House of Kennedy, I think. The House of Kennedy. Ah, who wrote that book? Uh, I read it just a few months ago. Man, an excellent book. Very eye-opening on, on the, the Kennedy dynasty. And so I'm, I, I, I'm not saying that, I'm saying in my lifetime, I have never <laughs> observed a family that seemed more nefarious and a part of more wicked things than the Clinton family. And so you say, well, how do you vote for Trump? Well, it's because we needed a champion not to represent our morality, but policy that is advantageous to our ideology. And this is what's weird about Trump. And this is, this is my legitimate, like, I did not, most people, I don't know if you remember the primaries. Um, Tennessee has an open primary. I'm, I'm from Tennessee, and I am not a registered Republican. I'm an independent. I am very conservative, and the reason I'm very conservative and not a Republican is because I don't believe all Republicans are conservative, and I will not vote down the party line if I feel like there is someone that is a detriment to conservative causes. So I'm not a Republican. I'm not saying that as, as some, like, you know, wave a banner, I'm, 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 ideologi- I, I'm ideologically pure. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I have an ideology, I, I, but I do want to hear both sides. And I want to make an informed decision. I'm not a party guy. I'm not going to be party down the line. One day, if something would change in either major party or a third party would arise, I could be a very, I could be a party guy. But that being said, Tennessee has an open primary. That means you don't have to be, um, you don't have to be a Republican to vote in the Republican primary. And so I voted in the Republican primary. I did not vote for Donald Trump because I did not trust Donald Trump. Number one, the man was not a conservative. Personally. He had espoused liberal policies from from the time that I knew of his existence, from a very early age, and you know he's he's this kind of this social pariah and you know this celebrity after um, what was the uh, I can't remember his reality show what it was called where he fired everybody <laughs> um, whatever you know I he 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 was known he was a public figure. He was not a conservative by any stretch of the imagination. So in the in the primaries, I was like, man, I don't like Trump. I don't trust his. I don't trust how he would govern. And so I voted for someone else in the primary. And but when it come, come when it come time for the presidential election, I definitely wasn't going to vote for Hillary Clinton. And if you you know are shocked by that, then you don't know me or you don't know Hillary Clinton. I mean, you talking about some just some awful. Policy, and I'm not even talking about like the the social stuff with the morality. I'm talking about foreign policy, and 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 uh, economic policy. Those things were just would have been a, a disaster in my opinion. And so, this is this is what's weird about Trump. I was against Trump politically in the primary. I voted for him in the general, but in my mind, I thought that he would govern more liberally that he would he'd be more of a liberal than a conservative and i'm going to tell you and i'm i, I don't i'm not I, I don't hate to admit this because you know it's i was wrong and it's okay to be wrong 
I was I got him completely wrong. Now I, I got some things about him right. I think that, and some of you really diehard Trump fans, you might hate on me. I've got some good friends that are that are, I mean, super MAGA, and we've had conversations before without you know being ugly to one another. But you know, I'm telling them like, man, and and they they don't. It ain't that they disagree with me. They just you know they see it differently. I do as far as you know the political utility of of everything. But I think Donald Trump's a narcissist. I really do. I think that that. This is how I thought he was going to govern. I thought he wanted to be seen as a great unifier, even though he destroyed people uh, leading up to it. But I, I think that I was in my mind, I was thinking he was he wanted a legacy to be this great uniter, and that he would give a lot more on um, like democratic compromises when it comes to uh, legislation. And I, 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 I've never been happier to be more wrong. I'm so glad I got that wrong. He actually governed pretty conservatively. Not, not you know, with the spending, which I don't, I don't know. We've had, a, we haven't had a conservative spender in the the White House. Uh, I don't think since I've been alive. Um, it's just like a, a never ending escalation of of the national debt. I take that back. I think, uh, think um, after the Democrats lost the House under Clinton, when Newt Gingrich became the House rep, uh, representative, uh, the Speaker of the House, I think that I think they balanced the budget. Maybe that was the last time um, that they did that, and and they worked together. Two parties worked together. To, to make that happen. I think that's awesome. I thought that's what Trump would do because I think I was thinking that as, as a narcissist, as somebody that wanted that, that that's, you know, he, he would be more beloved and more thought of if he could do that. I was wrong. He governed pretty conservatively when it comes to social policy, when it comes to foreign policy. He was, I mean, he, he didn't play. You know, the same barbarian that we elected to win the fight in the general election was the same guy that was not pulling punches on the world stage. And the world hated him for it. Some of them did, but our allies loved him for it. Israel loved him for that. He did more for Israel than any president, all the other presidents combined in my lifetime. It's amazing what he did for there. And, and I tell you what, I, I was also wrong about Obama. I thought that Obama, when he was elected, um, that he would govern more to the center. I, I don't I, maybe I, I just have this belief that everybody, you know, maybe it's, and it's probably not naivete um, that I thought Trump was hard right in the the elect or the, the general election, and then he would go to the center. And then I thought Obama was to the left, but he would go to the center. And I was wrong on both counts. Trump went hard right, and and Obama went hard left on the way they governed. And so I guess the bottom line today is I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, that shouldn't be the takeaway. But when it comes to predictions on how people will govern, maybe I just don't know. Um, so here's 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 okay. We talked about some of the good, and we talked about. Some of the bad. Let me talk about the ugly of Trump before we get out of here today. And we, this has been a long, well, we're at 30 minutes right now. Let's see. Uh, I think I can, I, can, I can close it out with this. I might do another podcast one day on Trump because he is such a fascinating political uh, character. Um, here's something else. The, 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 the problem that you have with a barbarian in the arena is that they don't become less of a barbarian in the dining hall. And when I say that, I mean the things that, that, enable Trump to win against a hostile media apparatus that enabled him to win against obviously hostile um, political opponents and even hostile uh, quote unquote friends in the Republican Party that, that, that was against him as well. The same things that caused Trump to triumph I didn't mean to do an alliteration there. I guess that's the preacher in me, you know, is coming out. But the same things that called him to, to Trump to triumph in those areas are the things that 
hurt him in the eyes of even his supporters. Now, I'm, I'm speaking from personal experience. The things that Trump would do in meetings or on Twitter, and I love Twitter, and Trump was very entertaining as a Twitter account, but I don't think that he did himself a lot of favors on Twitter. I think that if, and this is, this is a sad statement, but I, I really believe it's true. I think if Trump hadn't had a Twitter after he became president, that, that a lot of issues like that got drowned out on just some, some, you know, some bad behavior, in my opinion, you know, I think the, the world would have judged him a lot more fairly. Now you say, Chester, you're, you're just blind because they were never going to give him a fair shot. Here's the thing. Like, I, I agree with that, that, that statement as far as they weren't going to give him a fair shot, but I think he would have had a better chance of being judged appropriately by history if he didn't give them so much ammunition. Let me put it that way. And, and the thing, the, the problem is that the, the, and this is something I've had to work out for a long time. And I, I and I, I've talked to several friends about it. It's like, man, I don't know. I don't know if the things I hate about Trump, I don't, I don't know if those things were, weren't necessary for him to win. Like, I don't know if he wins without those things. Like, I hate the fact that Trump is so petty that like, I really do. Like, I think he is so petty. Uh, his pettiness with his feud with John McCain that went past John McCain's death cost him Arizona in this election. His, 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 the way he behaved himself after the election cost us two Senate seats in Georgia. And so I look at that and say, and I put it all on Trump. I think it was Trump's fault. But then again, I weigh it against, well, those are the things that, that I think made him win in the original fight in the battle, you know, for the presidency. So I don't know if you can separate it. I don't know if, I don't know if you can take his, you know, cordon off a, you know, uh, an area of his life and say, okay, no Twitter for you or, or, or what? And, you know, Trump, Trump is, he's a bully. He's a brute. He can't really distinguish between friend or foe. If you have a friend that criticizes you, you should be able to recognize that criticism and say, this person is trying to help me. Trump, I don't think he could recognize that. Trump was unforgiving. He was merciless. He was manipulative. And I look at all that and I say, man, that's, he, he wasn't a decent person. But are barbarians in general decent people? I, you know, and it's something I've thought about for a long time. Are we, are we in a place in American politics where a decent person couldn't get elected? Or has it always been like that? You know, has it always been to a place if you weren't willing to get down in the mud here, you got to understand my, my, my coming from this. I think that the Democrats are a filthy, dirty political party. I think the Republicans are somewhat less filthy, dirty political party. I, I you know, I, I don't, nobody's, you know, the ideal here. And it's, and it's this frustrating American situation which we have an amazing system. But I feel like this, this, these party factions and exactly how, like, how we got here, or not even how we got here, but the fact that we're here does a disjustice to 
the legacy of, of the founding of America. You know, it's, it was an experiment. They always call it, call it the American experiment. And even the founding fathers thought we were going to have a, a civil war within 100 years, and they were right. It was, you know, prophecy true. Um, I don't know if, I don't know how much, I don't know how much longer we'll survive like we are. We are a relatively new country in the, in the, in the scope of human history. And we've done some great things for the world. We really have. We've spread democracy, um, the ideas, maybe not in the best ways at all times, and maybe not, we've not had the best leaders representing all of it. But the fact is that those leaders probably couldn't get there unless they were willing to slit a throat or two uh, politically, and maybe even physically when you get with the Clintons. hey oh, okay, call back. All right, so I'm going <laughs> to, please don't hate me. If you voted for the Clintons, I uh, will pray for you. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, so I'm going to close out with, with this, this last thing here. Let me just say this. We need, we need a fighter that can win the fight on the main stage with an army that he does not also fight. <laughs> like if, we, if we, need le- we need legislators that can support and gather around a guy and not be scared to offend, you know, this God King figure because he'll he'll you know try to blow up your reelection campaign and i feel like that's what we had with trump somebody that could win his personal battles but also would blow up the entire game for the republicans if he didn't judge them as loyal as he wanted them to be as was the case with Georgia. Um, I'm I'm already over my time today. Thank you for listening. I might pick back on some of these elements later on. Um, Tune in maybe later in the week for another podcast. You've been listening to the Kenny Chesser Podcast. Please consider subscribing and leaving a review.